0: In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together again in your presence and for giving us the desire and your grace to explore the mysteries. Help us to move forward in our understanding of the beautiful things that you call us to do. Give us strength and wisdom and holiness as we search you in the great mysteries of our tradition. We ask this through Christ our Lord.
1: Welcome back to the Theology of the Eucharistic Table podcast with Abba Jeremy Driscoll and seminarians of Mount Angel. Abba Jeremy is teaching four of us seminarians how the celebration of Mass informs our theology, a method which he calls Theology at the Eucharistic Table, and we invite you to join us in our discussions. If you learned from this podcast, we ask you to leave a review on iTunes, to like and share our Facebook page, to subscribe to our newsletter at at TheologyAtMountAngel.com, that's Theology A-T-M-T-Angel.com, and to personally invite a seminarian, a priest, a seminary professor, or a close friend to listen to our show. We hope you enjoy
2: So we've arrived at the seventh master theme, spirituality. And one thing, Abba Jeremy, before we started recording last week, you mentioned we could group the last three master themes together. So moral life, spirituality, and then mission as all three being united by uh, being fruits sort of of everything we discussed so far. Uh, but we spent two episodes on moral life. So that, that grouping together didn't quite happen. Um, but I think that's a, maybe an interesting point to start at. Your observation that we could have done all three together. Comment a little bit about about that. What unites these three?
0: Well, the, what unites them is that they all three have in common a sort of uh, getting out there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, The first five master themes are uh, more specifically, we could say, more specifically theological uh, in this, in the, in the, like in the patristic sense of theology, where you're talking about God Mm -hmm. in himself.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, uh, and our talk about God expanded. We saw into its uh, Trinitarian shape into its Christological shape that we as Christians know God through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we know God to be father, son, and Holy spirit. We know God's plan is that we share in communion with that Trinitarian life. Those are the first five master themes. And uh, the sixth, seventh, and eighth master themes, which are moral theology, spirituality, and pastoral theology, that's the living of it, uh, living of it in the moral life, as we spoke about in the last two episodes, is uh living the faith living the realities uh that Mm -hmm. we understood in those theologies and that are delivered to us in the liturgy and uh facing the kind of moral questions that life confronts us with Uh, spirituality which is today's theme is very closely united to that because a personality uh, spirituality is is united with the person Mm -hmm. of the individual that's uh, what does this do uh, for me personally? How do I live it uh, personally? I think in in the book I, I quoted the uh, the Catechism again, as I did with the uh, the, the one on, on theology uh, or moral moral theology, uh, where we spoke about. Um, God professed and celebrated and lived in the church and lived in the church is uh, is the moral life but i'm not I'm not finding it here in the book but the catechism puts it very nicely mm-hmm. in that uh, personal relationship a vital and personal dimension. Mm-hmm. So those are the words that I think get us into spirituality the vital <coughs> and personal dimension of the life. Mm-hmm. And when we see that in really uh, splendid examples mm. of a vital and personal relationship with the Christian mysteries lived out, what we have there is a saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so my argument is that, you know, the saints are actually fodder for theology. What makes a saint a saint? That's a, that's a beautiful topic for us to consider yep. as theologians. And in one sense, the answer to that, we can expect what the answer will be in part. The answer will be a saint is somebody who is really living this Trinitarian communion through Christ in the church. Okay, that's the basic pattern, but that is different with every individual person in every epic. And so that's a thrilling story of uh, the lives of the people that God has joined to himself. So that's what spirituality is. Spirituality collects the vast tradition of all of the saints, mm-hmm. and not just the saints, like a, the canonized saints. Right. And we're not just talking about that. We're talking about the way in which, as Christians within who are thinking hard about theology, they think hard about, well, what leads to my personal and vital holiness? That's a mm-hmm. theological question. Yeah. And then that that moves very nicely into the eighth master theme, uh, which is uh, pastoral theology. And pastoral theology is, whoa, how do you deliver all this in the various pastoral settings? Pastoral settings meaning, uh, you know, to whom is the message directed? In what context uh, do we try to live out this holiness? And what does a person or what do groups of persons need to live this out how do we address the message to them and how do we help them through our pastoral ministry to to, li- to live this life in the actual context in which they find themselves so i hope that looks that makes a kind of logic to how those three themes are in a sense distinguished from the other ones we did before yep. tell me if it does or not.
2: No, it does. Definitely. Yeah. Nelson, you were going to chime in.
1: Well, we were just talking before we started the episode about these um, things that are occupying my, both my time <laughs> and my mental space. No, but, it, but seriously, we, when we were getting ready to go on past year, we talked about how our questions, our discussions were going to change because we we're going to be in a different setting. We were no longer going to be at the seminary at the hilltop studying for several hours a day and praying together as so a yep. community and then coming in and discussing, we're going to be in various pastoral situations. And so as I'm, as I'm hearing you talk about this for the abbot, about the moral life and about spirituality and about pastoral theology or mission as you have it in the book, I can't help but hear that through the, through the lens, through the filters that are present in my pastoral year
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what has been occupying most of my time especially in the last couple of months is is the topic of vocations right vocational discernment how do we discern our vocation and how do we help other people discern theirs and interestingly there's not you know there's 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 hardly anything about it in the catechism there are several different theories that are exposed and and they have contradictory ideas and conclusions. And I guess I don't know if it's too selfish of me to take us in in this direction, but I'm really curious for the Abbot and Brother Israel as to how you think about vocational discernment and maybe how that relates to theology at the Eucharistic
0: table. Hmm. Well, I suppose if if we keep it... uh, just let's presume that vocational discernment is somehow related to the theme of spirituality. then the question would be uh, for an individual what do I need to establish a personal and vital relationship with Jesus in the church uh what What do I need uh, how am I called to that? How does life in the church mm. call me more deeply into mm. the mystery? And I would think that that would be a kind of understanding of what a vocation is, because you know one of the things I always try to get past as we as we do theology. I want to do, I want to teach you guys to do a, a good solid academic theology. But that it, our goal is not. Academic theology, our goal is the Christian life well lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, ultimately, what we want to, to learn to do is to hear in all of this kind of theology that we're talking about, that we are personally addressed mm-hmm. by God in Jesus' vocation. Let's just think of the etymology of the word. That's, mm-hmm. that's a calling. God is calling well, okay, so God is always calling. And in some sense, you know, uh, with our lives, God calls us, and usually this happens, you know, to when you're young. I mean, you can have different vocations throughout your life, but sometimes, and a lot of times, a person, as he comes into adulthood, he or she is the life of that person is taking a shape it's taking a form well if you're if you're deeply dedicated to christ the form of that life is going to be totally defined by your relationship with christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Well, okay. What's that mean? That's, that becomes a practical question. What does that mean to have a life totally formed by your relationship with Christ? Well, life in the church is meant to do that. And so if you live the kind of, we talked about uh, regular access to Sunday Eucharist is normative for the Christian life. And what that, what that turns out to be then is, uh, regular exposure to the scriptures, regular nourishment uh, uh, in, the, in the Eucharistic body and blood of the Lord. And one uh, who's looking for the, the form of one's life, well, that's what one listens to. What are these scriptures? What is this Eucharistic experience calling me to be, calling me to do in, in the life of the church? Um, so I just, I just want to really stress, uh, that relationship with Christ. And I have to admit, you know, you mentioned just now, Nelson, that, uh, there are different theories and they contradict each other. I I have to admit, I've never really thought much about vocational theory. I don't know that I want to either, uh, (laughs) in the sense of, uh, I'm sort of inclined just to think of my vocation the way I just described it. Um. you're sort of inclined say that again
1: for that, you cut out a little bit. I'm
0: inclined to think of my vocation the way I just described it. I, I, I'm not, I mean, I suppose I could be uh, fruitfully provoked into thinking about a theory of vocation, but I think uh, if you just ask me, as you just did, uh, uh, you know, on the spot, what do I think about that question, uh, I'm inclined to answer it out of this. Uh, liturgical and reflective experience Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. and uh, in which I want the center to be one's relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm
2: -hmm. I would maybe just add something I read in St. Thomas a while ago and for our ecclesiology class that the sacraments of initiation, so acts of God in the liturgy, have a have a purpose of orienting and ordering worship so it's because we're baptized it's because we're confirmed that we're able to celebrate the liturgy that's what those that's what the sacraments are meant to do they're getting us into the door you know and beyond the door into the sanctuary but then you ask the question more specifically about the vocation well your vocation has to come out i don't know if this sort of along the same lines, but your vocation has to come out of that first ordering that's already happened. So that first calling is God calling you from out of all creation to offer him a sacrifice of perfect praise, not only in the liturgy, but then in your life. So one thing we talked about with the moral moral life, the last master theme was we're meant to be that praise of God in creation. We're that part of creation that God is slowly shaping into his very self, that part of creation that says there is a God and God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And just to keep that every day, every hour, every minute, just continually in the world growing. Um, So I think when, when I think of question of vocation, you begin there and also recognizing that for an, an individual life, it's not always that straightforward. Um, there's a certain amount of, I mean, most of us don't live that life, don't live according to our baptism. Uh, so there's a, I think when we talk about vocational discernment, there's a certain amount of correct correctives that have to happen. I don't know, maybe Nelson, you're experiencing this um, yourself as you go out there, that there's ideas of discernment, there's practices and People's lives that actually stop them from knowing Christ, that stop mm-hmm. them from knowing God, that stop them from participating fully in the life of the church. Um, and I think maybe t- these master themes, I think, kind of give us maybe pillars around which to begin making those correctives, making those corrections. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look at master theme number seven, for example, a six, for example, the moral life. Well, how does that? Help us. Well, one thing Abba Jeremy said is
0: mm.
2: it's not about being a good person. I mean, hopefully you become a good person, but it's about what God has already done in Jesus, has destroyed the power of sin and then given to us the power to to take on sin with hope. I remember that very, very strongly is one one of the points you made. Um so how do we so then translate that into somebody who's who's discerning what sin has to be overcome, what's getting in the way of what Jesus has already done for them mm-hmm. in their lives. So too with spirituality, um, I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it does. I mean, there... I also keep going back to the simple formula from IPF. Mm-hmm. It seems to, to there there are eternal layers in it and anyways um the the idea of relationship identity mission Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um i see you know these the master themes they by and large fall under the both the relationship and the identity uh in the first the first seven master themes the and then and then only then do we talk about mission do we talk about Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts around that. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently was speaking with a a pre-psychologist who told me that he is not interested in whys, in the why question. He's only interested in behaviors and skills. Mm -hmm. And as I was hearing him describe his approach to, to priesthood and to ministry and to discernment and to formation, is sounded very antithetical to these approaches mm-hmm. of the master themes and and i p f but that's a tangent um, coming back to vocational discernment, the follow up that comes to mind is in regards to the correctives, at what point i'm thinking more in like in, in practical terms as far as going forward into mm-hmm. visiting a religious community or applying to the seminary and then beginning seminary formation it's like uh, do you do we have to so let me say an extreme we clearly don't have to have a master's degree in in theology nor nor even have had have read the book theology of the eucharistic table nor you know have spent dozens of hours listening to to our podcast if that's not a requirement then what is i guess what is the the necessary understanding and foundation to move into a track i.e. religious life or seminary formation
0: well i would say look, look why are we doing theology you know that's that's what our whole project mm-hmm. is why do we do theology you don't need to do theology you just said it nelson to be a to be a good and deep christian Mm -hmm. Theology in the academy, professionally trained theology. We don't need to do that. Why do we do it? And why do we do it in preparation for priesthood? But what do we, not only people that are going to be priests or that are priests do theology. Lots of people do theology in in our community. But why do we do it? We do it so that we can step back from a reality and understand it more deeply. What's the reality that we're stepping back Mm -hmm. from and looking at? That reality is Jesus, alive in the world, in the church, and active in our lives. And so we're trying to be ready with reflection that will help us to penetrate life itself, which is full of Jesus Christ. And so what a a vocation is and what you need for discernment, the person who might be considering uh, priesthood, seminary, religious life, or not other forms of the Christian life, that person is not a professional theologian, doesn't need to be one, but professional theology, especially through a pastor, can really be a good guide for that person and help him or her to see, well, look, this is what's happening in your life. Mm -hmm. And in other words, it helps us to spot more uh, of what life itself in Christ is like mm-hmm. and and so that you know you don't need to read any of these books to enter the seminary but uh, you need to have a relationship with Christ mm-hmm. in the church and that that leads you yeah. to want to do this mm-hmm. and then you and then you get to the seminary and you get you're full of surprises mm-hmm. you find out oh well, to do this, if I'm to, if I'm to turn myself into a, a priest, pastor, I need to reflect a lot on life in Christ, and all and that's yeah, that's why we're doing theology. Yeah, yeah. Does that distinction make sense to you?
1: It does. Yeah, and that's helpful to articulate it that way, and that's something that I can share with some of the young people I, I've been talking to. The the kind of Um, objection or pushback that I encounter sometimes is either something along the lines of, well, I'm not not sure that I want to be a priest. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to this holy hour to know my vocation.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Or I'm not sure that I want to be a religious. Therefore, I'm not going to go visit a convent. And so this, and sometimes like in regards to feeling too, it's like, well, I don't really feel a call. I don't feel a call. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not really going to move forward and Mm -hmm. even asking the question or praying. And, and it's, it's all very um, self-centered. And I don't mean that Mm -hmm. in, in the uh, pejorative way, but Mm -hmm. just to distinguish it from Christ centered, it's not, who is Christ and what is Christ doing? And what has Christ done? Mm -hmm. The the first seven master themes. It's not that it's what, how do I, how do I fit? What is my place?
2: Yeah. And I mean, I just, on a personal level, I think both are important. obviously you need to ask that question. What we've been doing for the last five, six master themes, what has Christ done and what has God done in Jesus? Um, And that one, you know, you could spend your whole life there. That's the thing. I mean, that's why theology is still sort of ongoing. You know, that's why. Mm -hmm. um, It's because we can always tap into the reality of of Jesus, because Jesus is alive, that we can keep talking about him. Uh, If he were dead, we we would have stopped a while ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that other question, I think, is also important, the question of where do I fit? Mm -hmm. And there's no norm. I mean, I don't know. There's no... I'm thinking of one of the sayings of the desert fathers where this young, young man approaches one of the fathers and, and says, father, tell me what I must do that I may be saved. And there's two, there's two fathers there. And the one says, go fast, uh, every day for a year. And after a year, you'll, you can come back and I'll tell you how to be saved. Hmm. So the young man runs and he fasts for a year. A year later, he comes back to the same father and the other, the, the same two fathers are there. And he says, father, I have fasted every day for a year. What must I do to be saved? And then he tells him, go fast for two days for a whole year and then come back. And I'll tell you what you must do to be saved. And the other father says now, so he sends him off this young, young monk runs off and he's going to fast for two days every, for the whole year. And the, the other father says, wait a minute. You're so soft with all the other people who come to you, but you're really strict with this one young man. Why? And the father responds by saying, I send them the way, the way I send them out depends on the way they come in. This guy comes just for the love of God. All the others don't. That's why I give him a word that's going to save him. And for the others, I don't because they're not really seeking that. And you could, I think you spend Weeks just with that little story, that little anecdote, and then the father's response. But one thing that comes out really strongly for me is desire, <laughs> uh, desire, longing. There's no replacement for that. Hmm. You can't. Well, Abba Gregory has put this in different ways, but one thing he says is, you have to want what Jesus did for you. Hmm. If you don't want it. There's no relationship. How do you keep going forward? Um, that doesn't quite answer your question, but I think it shows at least two things, a question of desire, but then also you can't have one one hard and fast that's always going to work. Um, mm-hmm. I think the temptation is to to look at the master themes, especially these last three ones, and try to make a rule. This is what the moral life is. This is what spirituality is. This is what pastoral should look like now apply it. But I think rather when we do theology, especially as men who are looking forward to ordination, who are thinking of ordination, the theological project is trying to shape you in a particular way, mm-hmm. not so that you can share what you've learned per se. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's, that's definitely a part of it in your preaching. You have quite a bit of teaching functions coming up, Nelson. So you have the opportunity to share content, what you've actually learned. Mm-hmm. But I think if theology is working, It's also shaping you to see the word of God at work in people's lives, to Mm -hmm. hear the spirit at movement in people's lives. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, going back to this, we haven't really dived into this master theme, but spirituality, spirit, you know, what is the spirit doing in a person's life? Mm -hmm. Um, And how is that person cooperating with the spirit? you can't answer that question for more than one person at a time, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, the, the basics, the guidelines are there, but they are basics and guidelines. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, when somebody asks you that question or somebody answers your question of, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to this holy hour because I don't know if I want to be a priest. Mm -hmm. So then the question can be, they can have a lot of questions, but I think one of them should be what is the spirit done in their life up until this point? Mm. Um, where are they encountering the spirit in their lives? You know, how is there a disconnect? You know, to mm-hmm. say, I don't want to go to this holy hour because I don't, don't think I want to be a, a priest. Okay, mm-hmm. where is the disconnect between the truth of the Christian life and then this particular person? Is maybe one question that would be useful. You know, yeah, again, yeah. not to ask this person,
0: but to ask yourself—that's um,
2: mm-hmm. your starting point with this person,
0: maybe. You know, as theologians, we're making, I said, step back from a reality mm-hmm. and understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so this needs some diagnosis. When somebody says, uh, "I'm not sure I want to be a priest," well, sure, that's clear, but is that the question? Mm-hmm. Just stepping back, you you would want to say, and you said it, you had a bit of a diagnosis, you said it's self-centered, you didn't mean it to be critical, but let's understand this. Let's understand our whole culture. What? How does anyone grow up today? Anyone grows up today thinking, well, what am I going to do with my life? And that mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a way in which that's true about people. What am I going to do with my life? But at some point in the Christian reality, the whole thing flips if you really meet Christ. And Christ uh, will say something, the encounter with Christ will will turn that question, uh, it takes it out of my hands in some sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've met Christ. He loves me. I see what he wants. Uh, uh, He wants this relationship with me. How does he want me to Mm -hmm. live? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's not it's not just in my hand. I don't want to be a priest. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't want to be a priest, including people that have now become priests, because (laughs) somehow they let someone in. Mm -hmm. But uh, people like that need to be around people who have made the choice. Yeah, who are making the choice. And that's what's good about them meeting you and the other guys, Mm -hmm. you know you can't just kind of do that on your own because then you're left on your own. That's the trouble with our whole society. What would I do with my life?
1: Yeah. Well, since I've already hijacked four fifths of our segment, I'll go ahead and complete the job. What do you, um, what would you say? So for this particular example, somebody that is able to name, to identify a very specific fear, namely this, that, this is somebody that has been actively discerning for years, has even spent a year with the religious community and then came out and went to college and is now getting ready to finish college. And he is pretty confident that this is what God wants him to do. And, and that this is, um, that even that he would want it, at least that he does right now with some hesitation, but, Um, And it's for a particular community, not just in a general sense of call to uh, councils or call to the priesthood, uh, more specific to sermon. But he has um, kind of um, built up this expectation that if he he goes in, if he starts postulancy, that he cannot come out that he has to st- if he goes in that's it that's the end of the road that's the end of the discernment he's in forever <laughs> until f- through final vows and through all the way to his funeral
0: the two monks are laughing there, <laughs> you realize,
1: uh, right right and i mean i think i think he know. like when he intellectually mm. analyzes it he sees the problem in it and we've talked about it and i i probably little too forcefully as i often do pointed it out to him that that wasn't a good reason to not go go into formation but because that's his own expectation not the expectation of the religious community and so Mm -hmm. forth but that doesn't overrule the fear the fear is still there and that the fear is what's preventing him from moving forward
0: yeah but but isn't that I, I'm sorry for bringing it back to Jesus all the time, but this way of life requires trust in him mm. all the way through. You know, he will be there guiding and working in this man, or is it a woman? I don't know, but in this person's heart. Uh, and, uh, and the superiors, Christ works through them. You have to trust that. When you become a postulate, you don't know how it's going to work out. But that's like saying, I'm not going to date for fear that I, I'm not going to date her for fear that I might marry her. Well, how are you going to get anywhere in that relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you don't know if you're going to marry her or not. Well, so date, hang out together, see what happens. That's what you do uh, when you enter the life, mm-hmm. uh, and but you do that not trying to predict in advance what will happen to you. You you are. I I, I use the word adventure for this. It's an adventure to enter into a relationship mm-hmm. with Christ, and it's an adventure of love. And you have to trust that adventure. Yeah. Where will He lead me? What will he ask of me- mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I don't know if that helps at all hmm. but uh
2: in a way it sounds i mean i maybe I'm misunderstanding the fear, but this fear that as you described it, sounds like it comes from that same diagnosis of self centeredness uh in the sense that you know it's What's being prioritized there is my ideas of what the future holds, what religious life will be like, what my religious life should be like. Um, and I don't know, as, as a young monk, four years in, um, you have to let go of those immediately. Um, recognizing that there's a certain certainty you need to have before you enter. But the moment you enter, it's like that, A sort of threshold of certainty is
0: going to change. Precisely because it's an adventure and it's a real one. You, when you first come to the monastery, you find out all kinds of things that you didn't think it was going to be like. And that uh, that's upsetting to a lot of people, Mm. Uh, but it's also good for everybody uh, because you're on an adventure. It's not Mm -hmm. what you imagined in advance, because Because these are not ideas that we're pushing around. It's a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is is alive. He is fire. He is dangerous. He is forceful energy. Well, this is unpredictable where this is going to go. And that's lovely. Mm -hmm. This This is an exciting life if you do it that way, but if you just sort of imagine what will happen to me if I'm there and this person, that's me and makes me do that. And you start imagining all these things. And what if, what if the future abbot is somebody that I don't like? And what if that, and, if, and then, you know, you start imagining all these things and how am I going to get out of it? Well, no, how are you going to get out of your relationship with Christ? <laughs> do you want to pose that question? <laughs> So that's I just I'm just insisting, obviously, mm-hmm. on this center mm-hmm. uh, in him,
2: yeah, I think uh, maybe putting it another way if the if the question of vocation is, what does God want me to do with my life, or where does God want me to be? and not rather, how do I live fully that relationship? Where is the place where that relationship will thrive, grow? be nurtured, become the only thing, the center. If that's not the question, uh, then, I mean, it's no wonder there is anxiety, that there's fear, that there's doubts. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I had a memory come up from the Chronicles of Narnia when Mm -hmm. one of the kids asked of of Aslan, "Is is he safe? And somebody responds, oh no, of course he's not safe, but he's good. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Theology at the Eucharistic Table podcast. Remember to leave us a review on iTunes, which helps those who are searching for content similar to ours to find our show. To like and share our Facebook page. To subscribe to our newsletter at theologyatmountangel.com. That's TheologyATMTAngel.com. And to tell your friends about our podcast, especially the seminarians, priests, and seminary professors whom you know. Above all, we ask you to pray for us seminarians, priests, monks, and professors at Mount Angel Abbey and Seminary, and to take the content from this episode into your own prayer. Until next time.